Welcome to Growing Through Dance podcast. Today's interview is with the truly amazing Bill Waldinger. Bill was a very late starter with dance when he found not only the pure joy of dance, but also managed to establish a thriving professional performing career and now teaches in several New York schools, including the prestigious Joffrey Ballet School, New York. So good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I'm really lucky to have Bill Waldinger with me, who is a ballet and jazz teacher in New York. So we're going to hear a lot about his life and also about the way dance has interacted with him. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. And nice for you to join me. Thank you. So, Bill, I know a tiny bit about you from the research I've done. And I know that you teach in New York currently. Would you like to just tell us about what your current situation is? So I currently am teaching at four schools here in New York, primarily at the Joffrey Ballet School. I also teach ballet to actors at three other conservatories, colleges, Malloy College, which has a program called CAP21, which is an acronym for Collaborative Arts Project for the 21st Century. I teach at the New York Film Academy and and at the New York Conservatory for Performing Arts. So I'm teaching ballet to actors at those three schools, in addition to ballet and jazz at the Joffrey Ballet School. Gosh, so you're a really busy man. I just started cobbling together my summer schedule. It looks like I have weeks where I'll be teaching 17 classes a week, which is, yeah, a lot. And in New York, how long is a class? Typically 90 minutes. Wow. Uh, New York Conservatory, the classes are two hours. Okay, so as you know, going through dance is about how dance interacts with life. And I know that from our previous little chat that you found dance at a slightly later age than the average. When I ask you, can you remember what was your first recreational dance lesson like? I'm hoping we're going to get a yes. So yes. how did it start? <laughs> Most certainly. So um, dance was something that I always wanted to do. It was never really available to me. And so when I finished graduate school and had a career and had money at my disposal, I decided, well, now it's time and I'm going to take some dance classes. I had a friend when I was a student, when I was in high school, who studied jazz with Luigi. And I didn't really know much about him. I, I didn't understand really who he was, that he was one of the great master teachers mm-hmm. in the U.S., that he had taught hundreds and hundreds of people who worked on Broadway and in Hollywood. All I knew was that he was a good teacher and he took beginners. So I opened the yellow pages because we were still using phone books back then. And I looked up Luigi and I called and I found out when the beginner class was and I went. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Luigi didn't teach that class himself that day. He often did teach the beginners. There was an assistant and there were only two students in the class that day. And I remember that class like it was yesterday. So did you come out feeling this is something I I found, I've always wanted to do? Or did you come out thinking this was not what I expected? Uh, I came out thinking I'm finally home. So you'd found 
the place, the place right. for you. Yeah. Right. Excellent. So, as you said, you, you learned jazz initially, or how did it go on with, with ballet? Did you then get talked into ballet, or did you ask, can I do ballet? What happened? So I always wanted to do ballet. I, I thought it was ridiculous in one's mid-20s to start ballet. That just seemed preposterous. So I became very good friends with one of Luigi's assistant teachers. I needed a place to live and she had a spare room. And so we became roommates and we became very close friends. And she and Luigi had a bit of a falling out. And that happens a lot mm. when people are together all day, every day. And she said to me, I need a break and I can't go to the studio right now. There is a teacher named Nicole Francois teaching Luigi's work at Broadway Dance Center. Come with me, let's go take class there. So I figured, okay, let's go take class there. I, I was going for a week or so and we looked in another room because Broadway Dance Center is one of these big places with multiple studios. And there was a teacher named David Story and we were watching this class and I thought, I want to do that. And it was it was more what you would consider theater dance rather than jazz, if you're going to draw a line between them. At that time, the term theater dance didn't really exist. It was mm -hmm. just jazz. But it, it was a little bit more theatrical than what Luigi was doing. It looked really exciting. And so we decided to take these classes as well. I really enjoyed these classes. And he pulled me aside and he said, you need to take ballet. And he sent me to a teacher. She was going by the name Debbie Cruz at that time. Her real legal name is Dion Bryan. And she was at that time considered the best adult beginner ballet teacher in New York. I, I didn't know anything really, but um, she was wonderful. And she sort of laid down that foundation for me. So do you know what sort of method she used? I mean, so our listeners perhaps won't know how many different methods there are of, of all these things, but particularly of ballet. I don't know much about the American side of ballet. Tell me, tell me more. Okay, so the American side of ballet is for the most part, they, most people teach what is often called the blended American style. We don't really have a system in this country country like RAD. Mm. Um, that doesn't really exist. There's something called the Chiquetti Council of America. I don't know a lot about it. It is more used, I believe, in like neighborhood dance studios in the middle of the country. It, mm. You certainly never hear about it in New York. It's not Chiquetti the way Chiquetti taught mm. Chiquetti, but it's a thing. I just don't really uh, know much about it. And most people in New York are sort of teaching how they had been taught by people who were teaching how they had been taught, well, who, were being, <laughs> who were teaching how they had been taught. And, you know, it's a little bit of Chiquetti and it's a little bit of Vaganova and perhaps a bit Bourneville, and it's all kind of put into a blender. She had been trained at the Boston Ballet School. Oh. And so that is a bit more of a, of a codified method, I believe, from what I can remember it's a long time ago, it's probably based in Chiquetti methodology, but she used the Vaganova arm positions. She oh. used the Vaganova arabesques. So again, it, it, it was blended. So you found ballet, you started to learn. Did you find it easy? Or no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not find it easy. I was extremely determined. And I think one of the things that helped was that my roommate was a dancer as well. Um, yeah. 
And although she had been trained primarily in jazz, she had started in Martha Graham technique oh. and, and, and studied a little bit of ballet. And so she and I were kind of at the beginning of ballet together. Uh, we had one copy of Gail Grant's book that we shared. We stayed up until one or two in the morning looking at the pictures and figuring out the positions. I mean, it wasn't, it was very intensive study. I was able to arrange my life to take between two and three 90 minute classes a day, six okay. days a week. Wow. Yeah. This was not a recreational pursuit after no. a year. No. Yeah. So this it started became, that way, but right. soon became much more intense by the science of it. Yeah. Right. What, what had happened, I had been dancing for about a year and I, I, it was a 5.30 intermediate class at Luigi's studio. It was raining. I remember it like it was yesterday. He pulled me aside and he whispered in my ear, you think it's too late, but it's not. Oh, wow. That kind of lit the fire under me to take this a bit more seriously. But to have somebody like that say that to you and I presume he was hoping to guide you or put you on the track to somebody else how did how did it go he didn't really guide me it, David's story was more of a of a guide in that way kind of guiding me through the career Luigi was very involved in the studio and that's what he did mm. you know he had big classes at that time over the years his work sort of started falling out of favor and, and the classes started becoming smaller. Um, but at that time, the classes were still pretty big. He was running the studio. He had his own physical limitations. I don't know what the general listener, general listener is going to know about Luigi, but in the 1950s, he was paralyzed in a car accident and he created his own rehabilitation because what we now know as that sort of the physical therapy, it didn't really exist at that time. And the doctors told him that it was hopeless, that he would never regain the use of his body. And he was a dancer and he was determined to fix it. And so to make a very long story short, he created his own rehab. And that rehabilitation became the foundation of the technique. You know, he was never really perfect again, even though he danced in many movie musicals and Broadway shows. There was, you know, this underlying injury that never really went away completely. And so he, he dealt with a lot. He, he wasn't really someone who guided students into careers mm -hmm. in that way. I mean, he would connect you if he heard about an audition or something like that. But, but in general, he taught class. So how did you, I mean, obviously you became focused because you, as you said, it lit your fire. Um, but how did you progress that? Lots of people get very focused, but finding the right pathway is not always right. easy. So I became a student of David's story, this theater dance class that, that I was so enamored with, and he had a company. And so I did some dancing with this company after a couple of years. I mean, it didn't happen in five minutes, but it happened quicker than it does for most. Mm -hmm. So he offered me some opportunities. There was a video that was made, uh, a Nutcracker. I danced in his Nutcracker. He offered me bits and pieces here and there as I became more advanced. And I started going to auditions. I mean, it's New York. Mm -hmm. In those days, you would buy backstage. It was a newspaper. 
and it would list the auditions and I would go to auditions and I started booking jobs. So you didn't have an agent as such? No. So I didn't have an agent. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a big enough of a career to have an agent. Um, They don't really want to book you until you're booking a lot. Uh, They don't want to sign you until you're booking quite a bit on your own. I had particular limitations in that I wasn't really able for various reasons to leave New York for large periods of time. So if an agent wanted to book me into a national tour, I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So I was limited to what was available in New York. I never had an agent. I still worked. I had a career. I I mean, it wasn't a huge career, but I had a career. I had two reviews in the New York Times. I mean, I I had more than most people who set Mm -hmm. out to do this. So, yeah. I always feel that anybody who manages to make a living out of this has a career. I mean, it's, right. it is so difficult as to what you consider to be success or not successful. And just to still be standing, still be dancing, to be making a living, a living in some way, uh, whether that living is predominantly teaching, is just amazing. It's, it's an incredible thing to still have and to have done. So what sort of things did you dance in then? What- so most of my work, well, I did a lot of really, un- did a lot of strange things. So I, I was in a rap video before, oh. yeah, <laughs> before the words hip hop were kind of used more commonly. We were saying rap. I was in a rap video that ran on MTV. Go figure. You know, I was, I was terrible, but I was in it. Um, <laughs> Why do you consider you were terrible? <laughs> well, because it's not my world, but they were looking for a multiracial group of dancers. And with my hair that I had at that time, they thought I was Hispanic. And oh. so I was cast as the Hispanic dancer in this, in this rap video. I did a good amount of musical theater uh, not Broadway, but off-Broadway and regionals. I, I did a chorus line and Kismet and Carousel and Sweet Charity. I did a lot. Uh, and I danced in David Story's company. I mean, that took up quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a couple of television commercials that had dancing in them. It wasn't a huge career, but it was a career. When I was in my 30s, I was doing a production outside of the city. I was driving quite a long way every day to and from rehearsals. It was not going well. And I was not happy. And I thought to myself, I think I'm done. I I was just shy of 35. So I'm 34. I have no Broadway credit. I have no major dance company. How much longer am I going to be able to do this? And who's going to really want to hire me? So I just stopped. And I wasn't angry and I wasn't bitter. I was finished. Mm. I was just done. And I really never thought I was going to dance again. I just, I was done. I went back to my life and I had a job and an apartment and a life. And that was it. And what what that, was the kind of job you did before? You're going to, you know, I don't always talk about this. Do you really want to know? I was an orthodontist. I went to dental school. Oh, wow. <laughs> So that, that's really interesting to me with, with the whole ethos of this, that you, know, you, you can transfer skills all over the place. So, and that's what I did. That roommate that I had when, when I was training with, the, with Luigi, her name is Harriet Wilson. She moved down to Florida and she was teaching down in Florida and she came up to New York for a visit and she said, let's go take class. And at this point, I hadn't danced for nine years 
I was almost 60 pounds overweight and I'm only five foot five, almost five, six. And so that's very, very heavy for that height. And I really, I, I said, no, you can go take class. You're still dancing. I'll watch and then we'll get coffee. And she said, no, you're coming. And so <laughs> she dragged me to steps uh, which is another one of these very big multi-studio mm-hmm. studios in New York. Steps on Broadway. Steps on Broadway, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And we took a class with a jazz teacher named Richard Pierlon. I stood in the back of the room. I couldn't do very much, but it, it, was, it was like coming home again. Um, it was that same feeling that I had at that first class. At the end of the class, I had a little private emotional breakdown because I felt like I had destroyed my life because now I was 43 and it was definitely over. You know, there's no way that I was going to be a dancer now. Mm -hmm. I was completely out of shape. I was 43 years old and it was done. But I thought, well, I can take this class twice a week. You know, I don't work on Monday afternoons and I don't work on Saturday afternoons. And he teaches Monday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. So maybe I should do this twice Mm -hmm. a week. So that's what I did. And I started taking the class twice a week. And then there was a ballet class right before his class. I said, well, I could take two classes twice a week. So I started taking the ballet class first and then then the jazz class. And after about two or three years, he pulled me aside one day and he said, do you want to sub for me on Tuesdays for the next couple of weeks? And I said, sure, I, I would love to. And Steps looked at my resume and a big resounding no came my way. It was very distressing. And I figured, well, I might as well take the sub. Uh, I would go anyway. So I'm not going to be a baby. I'm not going to stamp my feet Hmm. because I didn't get this job. I'm going to go and take the class. The teacher who was teaching the class, her name is Lisa Gaida. She is a legend here in New York. She has 17 Broadway shows on her resume. Now, I, I am not an idiot. If you put Lisa Gaida's credits on a website and you put my credits on a website, how many people are going to come? So... I'm standing in the back and I'm probably the only person in the class over 40 and I'm, I'm doing my, my plies actually. And she walks up to me and she looks at me and she says, who are you? And I said, nobody. And she said, cause I'm looking at you and I'm thinking that perhaps you should be teaching me. <sighs> and I said, I would like to chat with you when this class is done. And I told her what had transpired, mm-hmm. that Richard had wanted me to sub the class and Steps had said no. And she said, this is really interesting and I really want to talk to you, but I'm in a terrible rush. Mm-hmm. And she jotted down her email address on a piece of paper and she handed it to me and she said, email me. So we had exchanged a few emails and she told me her whole story and I told her my whole story. And then We never really spoke again because, I mean, she's lovely, but she's not my friend. Mm -hmm. And it it was very interesting. But that was kind of the end of that communication. And I decided that I didn't have to teach at Steps. I could teach anywhere. And so I have a dear friend who, I'm sorry, she passed this just recently. And she had a little tiny dance studio in Brooklyn. And I called her up and I said, Rita, I'd like a job. Her name was Rita Hamilton. I said, I I, want to teach. And she said, well, how about adult beginners on 
Monday, adult beginner ballet on Monday and Wednesdays after work and children on Saturday morning. I said, done. She said, great, I'm firing someone you're hired. Oh. And so I feel bad that somebody lost a job, <laughs> but it was coming anyway. So I started teaching at Rita Hamilton's beautiful little school uh, in Brooklyn. I did that for about a year. One day I get an email from this school, CAP 21, that I had mentioned before that mm -hmm. I had never heard of. And they're offering me a job as a ballet teacher, teaching ballet for musical theater actors. They got my name from Lisa Guida. Oh. A year later, a year later. Um, and so it, it was sort of like one thing sort of led into the next. I don't know, one school after the next. And I ended up at Joffrey. Mm. crazy so from from what you've said then the that they teach the way in which they were taught and it is sort of handed down completely because not that I do or any of the societies over here are national there's lots of bodies which are all parts of a national thing but nobody has an overall control correct um, so I mean there I'm, let me interrupt you just yeah. for one second on this point so in Joffrey's pre-professional ballet training program I teach jazz in that program. The ballet training in that program is strict Vaganova methodology. Oh, right. And most of the teachers come from Russia. Right. And most are graduates of the Vaganova Academy or the Academy at Perm. So there are schools that teach in a codified method. And the School of American Ballet, which is the school that's attached to New York City Ballet, they have their own jam and, and their own way of doing things which is sort of, it, it's based, I, I don't know enough about it, so I don't want to say too much. No. But what they teach is based in Balanchine's choreographic style, and they've created a technique out of that. But there is nothing like RAD. No, no there's no sort of societies or things. No. Yeah. And, and, and the idea, teach. Yeah, yeah. right. And, mm. and the idea of ballet exams mm. is, is sort of foreign to, to most mm. Americans. We don't really do that. In recent years, American Ballet Theater's school, the Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis School of Ballet, has created a teacher training program. And you can go to them and study their system of mm -hmm. teaching and get a certificate. It's very helpful if you're not in New York City. Mm -hmm. In New York City, nobody cares about anything. Nobody cares about exams. Nobody cares about certifications. You typically go and teach a sample class and you're hired or not. I and that's, right. that's yeah. how things yeah. are done in New York. The rest of the country is a little bit different. Mm. That's really interesting because that here it is, there is obviously the auditions kind of situation, but the initial getting your foot in the door is what have you got on paper? Who's right. trained you? What methods have you done? Um, what right. else can you bring to the table base? Okay, so let's, let's veer off slightly then and just think about what you think you have gained not as in I can now do a grand battlement or I can now do a plie but what have you gained gained in your life that you wouldn't have had had you stayed with orthodontists for example well um I gained a career that I love I don't think that's exactly what you're asking though no. um and, and I get to wake up every day and go to work and have the time of my life that is you know that's a great gift um because I spent many years doing something that I didn't love. And mm. so that's wonderful. It taught me that it is okay 
to have a goal for the sake of having a goal. Does that make sense? Yes, yes it does. One of the things that I say to my students, you know, I think that the reason why I was able to do what I did and start, I started jazz almost 26 at 25. I started ballet one year later and have a career and dance on a stage is because that was not my goal. My goal was to learn how to dance Mm. for the sake of learning how to dance. A lot of people think I'm crazy. I, I have a friend right now who completely does not understand that. If the goal is not the stage, then why even bother? If the goal is not the stage, then why even do a tondu? It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That idea of having a goal for the sake of having a goal applied to everything in my life. It it created a sense of direction and a sense of focus. Can you recognize any sort of characteristics of your own or inform your life and the way in which you live it, which have directly um, attributed to the dance being in your life or not? I am by nature very obsessive. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily in a good way or a bad way. In the years that I wasn't dancing, I took piano lessons. I'm not a talented musician, but a well-trained musician. I studied piano as a child and clarinet. My father um, was a very talented musician. I did not inherit that gift. But in those years, I practiced for hours and hours a day. Again, not to be on a stage, but to learn to play the piano. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm not as talented as I am, I guess, when it comes to dance. And so my achievement in the piano is, is not nearly what it was in dance, but I can play. That obsessiveness, I think dance showed me that it was in a way beneficial when it comes to cooking, when it comes to anything that I do, Mm. there is this um, need for it to be as good as it can be and as correct as it can be, you know, with respect to dance. And I think that that, Mm. that was cultivated in Luigi's classroom. Uh, it, It is a very specific way of working with an incredible amount of detail And I think that is one of the reasons why it is not as popular as it was when he created it. People don't, I don't want this to come out the wrong way. Oh, well, when I was young and, (laughs) but, you know, but people are not willing to work that way anymore. They Mm -hmm. just aren't. They just aren't. Everything is so instant now and and much more obtainable because of that instancy. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Part two of the interview with Bill Wardinger will be out later this week when we will hear his thoughts about dance and life and the evolution of his dance teaching. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please remember to follow, subscribe and share your experience. Growing Through Dance is now on all major platforms and being heard in over 50 countries. Your support means such a lot to me so that we can get the stories of dance and how it helps life out there. Let me know what else you would like to hear. Contact me via Instagram at growingthroughdancepod or follow on the new Facebook group Growing Through Dance Podcast for regular updates, dance growth advice, industry news and general dance discussion. If you have any stories you'd like to share, please contact me via direct message on either social platform. Thank you for listening today.